Who dat, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Who Dat Dish podcast. Today we are here to break down and analyze what happened during the Saints preseason week one matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, which took place in New Orleans this last Friday evening, essentially a week ago when you are hearing this episode. As always, I'm your host, Dayton Brown. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Dayton underscore Brown underscore and the podcast page at the WDD podcast to stay up to date with everything. Today I have a very special guest and very familiar guest on the show I'm excited to introduce. Uh, he's the coveted host of the Locked On Saints podcast, which you guys should be subscribed to. Uh, he's also the lead analyst over at allsaintsconsider.com, which you should be following on Twitter and checking out their articles um, at allsaintsconsider.com. Please welcome back to the show, Ross Jackson. Ross, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Uh, how are you doing? Also, how was it going down and um, uh, Friday, August 2nd, you were at the Saints training camp. Um, how, how What was that experience like? You also met up with, with some guys down there, including uh, Barry from Big Easy Mag, which is <laughs> awesome. Um, what was that experience like uh, uh, going down there and checking out training camp? Oh, man. Uh, as always, man, thank you so much for, for having me back, too. Just real quick, just want to say thank you, man. Always love the work that you guys are doing, so I'm always grateful whenever I get the chance to come out here and help contribute and support and everything that you've got going on. And I haven't really gotten to say this to you yet, but congratulations on the Red Zone Report work that you've done. Appreciate everything, it. Thank man. you. Yeah, yeah, man. It's been awesome. That's so dope to see you out there. So, you know, we're going to be getting you over at Locked on Saints here soon, too, once yes, that sir. season rolls around. So, you know, I'm just putting that on the top of the episode Oof. so everybody, everybody knows the business uh you can but man smell the episodes cooking up as the that's season it. approaches that's, <laughs> that's it. it cooking up like a good gumbo man uh man no it's been it was good like getting out there and and, and taking care of everything and uh you know checking out uh camp and stuff was was good it's been a while since i would be able to make it out to one so i'm glad to be able to do that it's just you know it's at a weird time of the day you don't get to just mm. go on down there whenever you want you know what i'm saying and especially when you're you know coming from somewhere else it's tough to line it all up so it's been good it was it was a great camp and it was a good day to be there because they were mostly focusing as they usually do on fridays on red zone and goal line drills and i love that Mm. because that's one of the times where you really get to take a look at all right who are they turning to in the red zone who's there who are their guys down there and you know that they brought in jared cook you know michael thomas is effective in the red zone alvin Kamara is effective in the red zone but i really wanted to see the way that they use latavius murray down there because he's had great success throughout his career in the red zone so it's exciting to see them sort of figure out the different ways that they were going to use him and and all but on that day the defense won out the defense won uh, two out of the three matches and so you know they you know offense had to do some extra wind sprints and all that good stuff but it was good man it was a fun day it was a blast to see barry and it was a blast to see people out there that read and that listen and everything it meant a lot uh shout out to the people that that said hi out there and everything because i'm sure they're also listening across you know trying to get all the saints information that they can get if you're at if you're at uh training camp you're probably listening to every saints podcast out there mm-hmm. <laughs> to try to keep up with everything going on so shout out to whoever made it out man and you know the big thing was just getting out there and yeah that was the first time i really got the chance to go out and and go as a writer and so nice. going out and covering and learning like all right you know i talked to, to herbie teope as well here recently and we were talking about all right you gotta you gotta just pick you got to pick the guys and watch the guys that you want to watch. Don't follow the ball, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a big part of scouting anyway, is just learning right. to lock on to the player. Um, and so it was it was good, you know, just sitting out there with like your printed out roster, like trying to catch numbers and like, OK, who's this guy? This is a new number. I didn't see this number before and everything. So it was good, man. A lot of fun. Why? Why is there a wide receiver with the number one type thing? I always see that every, right. every preseason or, or training camp. There's always the wide receiver wearing the number one. And you're like, 
man, you're just throwing me off seeing a guy out there with that number. But yeah, that sounds fantastic, man. Uh, I'm very jealous, but very glad that you got to experience all that. Um, yeah, totally different when you're actually down there on the field um, watching these guys go through the motions, preparing for games, preparing for seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and a lot of those guys out there that we're seeing right now and that you saw during training camp are, 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 are just fighting just to make the roster. They're, they're, a lot of these guys aren't even fighting really for, for, for playing time immediately. They're just fighting to make that roster. So anything right. goes in training camp, and, and that, that's the exciting part of it. So I'm glad you got to experience that and, and make some connections. I'm surprised you weren't in the, the autograph line with the players too. Sign out. Oh man, that's awesome! Not, that that's awesome yeah, that you yeah. met so many people down there. That that that's incredible. Yeah, no, it was it was cool, man. Like you know, it, it's just exciting. You know, when you when you get to a point to where you're providing somebody with something like you guys are doing here with the podcast and everything, like we're doing over at All Saints Considered, man. Just to feel that love and that appreciation, and to know that you're affecting people is uh, it, it's super dope. Like it, it was it was really cool and stuff. But yeah, man, once once uh, practice ended and these guys started coming out to grab autographs. I was like, all right, I'm dipping. I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> like, it got go. crazy. Oh, I bet. <laughs> got crazy. So I went and I sat in the back of the facility, like in it, like outside in the back toward the back of the facility, and watched the um, the uh, the press conferences and stuff like that, and everything, and just got away from the mob. That's <laughs> yeah. No, th- those are some diehard fans for one of the most diehard, passionate fan bases ever. So uh, I'm assuming it's absolutely wild once. Once that autograph line starts forming, but uh, no, yeah, that's... Especially, especially when you have players that reciprocate it, that's the mm. big, thing. you know, mm-hmm. like as much as the fans love the team, the team, these guys love the fans and you know, Cade Nellis is out there every single day. Yeah. This person in to a locker room. He's out there. Drew Brees is making time. Michael Thomas is coming through. And so like, it, it, it's, it's really something special. Oh, it's, I, I love what Ellis is doing. I don't know why more small school players don't don't do that as as often you, you, I, I we might not just hear about it as often but you know when you're a small school guy coming from ellis is out of idaho state right or, or just idaho yeah, like just even, idaho like not even the yeah, vandals yeah. So, yeah. yeah right 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 out, out there in moscow moscow right. idaho absolutely <laughs> wild and now he's coming in here playing for the new orleans saints i would be soaking up every single second i can and putting in as much work so salute to him shout out to shout out to ellis for for doing that but yeah i'm really glad yep. you got to experience that uh, really good stuff. Speaking of preseason action, of course, the Saints are going to be going into their second preseason game this Sunday, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But first, I want to go over, since we have not on this podcast yet, but uh, you can check check out, uh, of course, Locked on Saints on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow Ross on Twitter at RossJacksonASC. ASC stands for AllSaintsConsider.com as well. <laughs> so be sure to check that out. But um, I wanted to go over it here on this podcast, obviously, especially with you, um, because you've been able to rewatch the game at least a couple of times, I'm sure at this point. Oh yeah, man, I watched it a clips. ton. <laughs> so and, and I, I, I've I watched it live, uh, first three quarters, missed the fourth quarter, um, mm-hmm. but I was able to rewatch it once. Um, but you, you've obviously have a little bit more eyes on it, and it's always nice to to discuss from all angles, especially when we are determining, you know, who's going to make this final 53-man roster for the season. But it is the first preseason game, and that's what it kind of felt like. It felt like both teams were kind of more so the Saints than anybody, but it felt like both teams were just trying to find their um, their, their foot placement, their, you know, their, their footing and, and their grounds, and uh, just getting a feel for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was especially so because uh, just, just obviously it's a preseason game. A lot of guys are going to get touches, but when you look at the receiving stats for the Saints and the rushing stats and how – 
much the ball was spread out during that game. Definitely the the coaching staff trying to get a feel for everybody there just because the Saints have so many important decisions with these skill position players. Um, mm-hmm. And, and as, as well as the defense has been doing during training camp in this offseason, like you noted when, when you went down there and saw them in person, Ross, they didn't do – the first team defense did not do too well against the uh, uh, th- this Vikings team. Uh, they got torched 4 for 4 uh, 65 yards and a touchdown by Kirk Cousins on that that opening drive, uh, getting torched. And then uh, after that, you know, since the first preseason game, usually starters only last to drive. Everybody st- starts filtering in. Um, but they were without, of course, Cam Jordan. Um, and for the Saints offense, it was kind of what you expect without, you know, Drew Brees leading it. Teddy Bridgewater was 14-19, 134 yards with one touchdown. He got sacked twice, but he still had a rating of over 110. Taysom Hill was 8 for 14, also had a touchdown, but he also did throw an interception. He had a rating of 67, uh, also threw for 80 yards. Uh, He led the team in rushing with 45 yards off of six carries. Dwayne Washington carried the ball the most, and Mm -hmm. I'm liking his chances to remain third third string running back for this team. I mean, I mean, a lot of the times the Saints, they they if if it's not broke, why should they fix it? Dwayne Washington (laughs) was fine as a third string running back last season. He might just be fine. He's, he's kind of proven it here in this offseason. But I also liked Ozigbo, three carries for 20 yards. Jaquiz Rogers, man, uh, showing up. He's really trying to prove his worth for this team. I wouldn't mind seeing him make the roster. Kind of a long shot at this point, but he has NFL experience. Went to Oregon State University down in uh, uh, Corvallis, which is just a few hours away from where I live. So mm-hmm. kind of a local guy. Got to kind of root for him. Um, <laughs> he also had hauled in three catches. Uh, and he rushed the ball five times for 15 yards. Latavius Murray had three carries for 14 yards. Uh, and then, of course, Kamara, who a lot of people weren't expecting him and Michael Thomas to play. Both of them got some looks early on. He had four carries for 11 yards. Nothing too exciting for rushing. The touchdown, of course, the most exciting touchdown. Well, I, I guess you could argue both touchdowns were pretty exciting. And They were both pretty They're they, both pretty nice. They were fantastic, actually. So the first one was, of course, Dan Arnold going up and, and what doing what he should have done. In the NFC Championship game. Sorry for bringing... I, I hate to bring that up because Dan Arnold is such a nice guy, but fantastic grab. Uh, touchdown. Uh, leaping over uh, a couple of Minnesota Vikings defenders. Uh, overall, he had two catchers for 27 yards, including that 18-yard touchdown reception. And then uh, low Jordan Humphrey, the rookie out of Texas, who a fan favorite at this point. I really want him to, to make the roster. I feel like he could be valuable, and he showed that he can work inside and out, but he had a really, really nice 33-yard touchdown. Um, and that was from Taysom Hill. The Dan Arnold uh, touchdown pass was from Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, both of them were pretty nice throws. Obviously, Bridgewater's a little bit better um, throwing it into a tighter window and, and actually making a contested throw, whereas Taysom Hill was just kind of hitting Humphrey on a crossing route, and then he did the, he did the work after that, so shout-out mm-hmm. to him. Uh, Sarah Grayson, of course, former track star, uh, two catches for 32 yards, um, and, and really, I mean, he... he, he had one catch for 32 yards. The other one went for zero. Yeah, he very exciting play, um, and he was also targeted twice, and he caught both balls. And, and and that's that's all you can ask for out of a guy in his position. Latavius Murray, three catches, 22 yards out of the backfield. Now, a lot of people were talking about him, and and, and I actually want to pause real quick and talk about Murray and, and kind of mm-hmm. what you might have saw out of him, Ross, um, because this is a guy in Minnesota uh, just looked like such a different running back from what he did in Oakland. Now, of course, two different systems, but he was much better out of the backfield catching balls with Oakland than he was in Minnesota. I feel like he's going to get back into that groove, um, and that's why he's going to be such a good prototype backup to Alvin Kamara to me. Do you see that out of him too? Um, uh, do you think he's going to be able to get back into that groove of 
consistently catching balls out of the backfield and, and making exciting plays that the Saints need in that position? Yeah, no, I absolutely do. And a big part of what you saw over at uh, over in Minnesota in terms of his drop-off as uh, producing out of the backfield had a lot to do with the offensive coordinator, John Filippo mm-hmm. at that time. Uh, he's just somebody that got a ton of ridicule, uh, both from players as well, you know, former players as well as fans and people that just know the game just because of his lack of getting those backs involved in the passing game and really just not really leaning on the run game as much as you would expect when you've got talent like Latavius Murray and Dalvin Cook available to you. Mm-hmm. So that was a big part of the shift that you saw in his performance from Oakland to Minnesota. Now you put him in a system to where you are relied upon to do the same thing or to do both of those things. And I think you're going to see more of that Oakland style Latavius Murray that does catch some passes out the backfield and can produce on the ground between the tackles. I mean, look, the guy's six foot three, two something, and he's got four, four speed. They're going to take advantage of that. And one of the ways to take him to take advantage of that is get him involved in that short passing game, or as we like to call it here in new Orleans, sometimes the long handoffs, um, it's just getting him like in the flats or, you know, those pitches and everything like that, and just get him around the edge and let him do go to work. And one of the things that I love about Latavius Murray, and one of the reasons, why he's been so effective in the red zone throughout his career is because he's got a really good penchant for falling forward, which I know is a little bit of a cliche, but we didn't see that a ton with Mark Ingram. We watched Mark Ingram kind of get bounced pretty often. And so being able to see that from a guy that's also six foot three is really it, you know, is a good thing because every time that he falls forward, he gains you another two yards. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so, um, so he's he's a good dude, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him operating in this offense. You know, we can dig a little deeper into his stats. He had three carries and three catches in that preseason game which is six touches he only played eight snaps so when he was out on the field they really wanted to get a look at him and I know a lot of people were disappointed with Teddy Bridgewater's opening drive but it's just because you have to understand and you've made mention of this the result of the game doesn't matter they didn't go out there trying to open up the offense and score as many points as possible they went out there and Pete Carmichael called plays that allowed Sean Payton to get a look at his personnel Mm -hmm. and a big part of that was if if Latavius Murray was only going to play in the first series, give him eight snaps and get the ball in his hands so we can make an evaluation of him as both a runner and as a pass catcher. So you see three carries, three catches. He did exactly that, uh, did um, uh, did the uh, Pete Carmichael in terms of the, the correct type style of play calling and directing Teddy Bridgewater to get the ball in Latavius Murray's hands so they can get an honest evaluation on those skills. And so far, he's looking like he's going to fit right into what it is that the Saints need from that second running back. Exactly, yeah. It's for preseason game, it's all about the content of what actually happened on the field, not the result. And mm-hmm. they were just looking for what they could do with Latavius Murray out there because he's a brand new face in a very important spot in that offense that, you know, we, we, we are expecting to be a void, uh, a big void that needs to be uh, filled and is going to be difficult to be filled. But the, the, the more I watch Latavius Murray, the more I'm a little bit confident that the offense is going to go in a tiny bit of a different direction to accommodate for Murray being there and I think it's going to work out in, in our favor and yeah it starts with with Pete Carmichael so that's going to be really interesting yeah. to check I can out. give you I can give you another little nugget too that people might have missed but one of the things they're also doing with Latavius Murray during practice is they're lining him up out wide mm. 
And a big part of that is what you 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 know you might see that might have seen that a couple of times with Mark Ingram, but that's really a big Alvin Kamara type yes. play, right? To get him out there, line him up wide, and let him play that that role as a slot wide receiver, even on the outside. We the saw Eagles that in the Eagles out. game. Yes, yes. exactly, exactly. Yes. We both went there. That's perfect. Yeah, and so uh, you know, fourth and seven, who cares, right? And so, <laughs> yeah. But you get a guy like Latavius Murray, and I'm going to bring up his size again, just as a reminder: six yeah. foot three with. Four four speed, but you line him out there and get develop a little bit of a route tree for him. That's a whole new level to your playbook there. Absolutely. Oh yeah, that, it, I'm I'm really excited to see him uh, going full speed in, in in a regular season game for us. It's going to be awesome. So with two catches a piece as well, Traquan Smith, Alvin Kamara, and AJ Derby. He was he was kind of the surprise of the night. You didn't mm-hmm. you, you know you're expecting to see a little bit more Josh Hill, maybe Mac out there, the rookie out of Notre Dame. Um, but AJ Derby, the former Denver Bronco, out here making some plays for that, and he, he coming out of that tight end spot still, which which is absolutely crazy. Uh, and then you have Simi Cobbs Jr., Ozigbo, and uh, Rashard Matthews, who of course is no longer with the team or in the NFL at all. He had one catch mm-hmm. for seven yards and ends up um, retiring from the NFL, uh, designated to leave the Saints. Felt like uh, it, it just felt like he he just hated the, his time in the NFL. So for, for, this is what I kind of gathered from the Instagram. But like, I shouldn't say hated. He was just kind of fed up with everything for sure, and that's understandable. I mean, I mean, it, I mean, it's a business where men are sacrificing their bodies to you know for the entertainment of people. Uh, when you break right. it down like that, so I understand where some players can definitely come from that, and you know they're the ones who have experienced it when none of us have really experienced what they have so i'm not gonna be the one to judge the the decision that he made it is just very surprising because you don't see that happen from players very often right uh, especially guys who have you know he is it's not like he's been in the league for for 10 years or or like one or two he, he's been in the league what i think this was his sixth coming up yeah. coming up on his sixth season in the league so he's like right there in that kind of sweet spot where I think he understood you either make the decision now or, or, or you're just not going to enjoy the rest of your time. You're going to be fighting for roster spots at, you know, uh, approaching the age of 30. So I, I felt like he just decided to walk away. So it, it was interesting and surprising. Um, and I was actually rooting for him to make the team. He looked really good in uh, in the preseason and in, in training camp. But also uh, Ozigbo had nine yards. Cobbs had 11 yards. And Michael Thomas also had seven yards with one catch. And then Carr... Uh, Austin Carr, Travin Durrell, and Dwayne Washington were each targeted once, but did not have any catches. Um, and then, of course, Vince Beagle with the fumble recovery. Um, and then on on the Saints defense, nothing really sticking out. Again, the first team defense didn't do too hot on the first drive. They kind of started getting it together. Uh, no sacks at all for this team against the Vikings, none whatsoever. Um, and, of course, the, uh, the Saints gave up two sacks um, mm-hmm. against them. Uh, and so JT Gray led the way with five total tackles. Uh, not much else out of him, but leading the team in tackles is still very impressive. Uh, Darnell Sankey had four four tackles and also a tackle for loss. Demario Davis also had four tackles along with uh, Taylor Stallworth there on the defensive line. And then you had Caden Ellis, Craig Robertson, and Mario Edwards Jr. Each with one pass defended apiece. <laughs> Ellis had three tackles robertson uh edwards ken crawley chauncey garner johnson the rookie out of florida patrick mm-hmm. robinson uh pj williams and vince beagle also with two tackles apiece. other than that nothing else really sticking out there like i said there was only uh there were no sacks one tackle for loss 
Um, and then uh, th those those three passes defended by those guys. And let's see. Actually, uh, Trey Hendrickson had a, a quarterback hit. Uh, yes, yeah, and it was and it was it a was. solid one too. It he was. won off the line, he won off the edge, and he's somebody that's really been standing out as a potential defensive end three. He's also my leader in terms of whenever the Saints Fight Club gets started because he's now mm. fought four times in three years at practice so yes. far. But uh, but yeah, no, he actually played a pretty nice game. I'd give him a shout out, and also on the defensive line, even though the defensive line was not very strong and right. i'm sure we'll talk about that here in a bit but i'd also give uh, mario edwards a shout out too because he did play well he had that batted pass but he also got some pressure yep. on the quarterback uh he also should have been credited with a quarterback hit but it might have come a little late um and then the thing about trey hendrickson's hit though is that it still resulted in a touchdown because patrick robinson got beat on a double move over on the mm. left side but outside of that i mean he's still somebody that has really been showing up and and are all in the right time too because you know he's going into his third year here this is the year you expect him to take a big leap forward yeah. so far he's been showing that he's uh you can kind of ex i don't want to say you can expect it out of him but he's showing that potential yeah hendrickson has a fantastic motor uh, and he accelerates off the line just absolutely i mean and that's why they got him out of fau a few mm -hmm. years they, they they saw that talent and the fact that he was sitting there so so far down in the draft he has that raw talent uh and he's going to be really important because he's going to be backing up most likely marcus davenport who's going to yeah. be, you know, second year player, super talented himself as well, but still second year player there starting, going to need really good reinforcements Justin, you, you know, who knows what happens with the second year guy out there. Um so yeah, that's definitely going to be something to watch, but shout out to him. Also the Saints still trying to figure out the kick and punt return. Um Cyro Grayson uh, ended up uh having two kick returns for 61 yards. Um but other than that it was uh, Deontay Harris, the the wide receiver. Mm. Didn't see much action other than that. He's really in 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 training camp to be the return guy win that three kick returns for 90 yards he had that he had that 34 uh yard return um but sour grayson had the 40 yard return i i, I kind of like sour grayson out there a little bit better uh, but deonta harris uh also had caught a punt but or or there was no return yards on it though so we didn't get to see much else out of him but uh with all of that being said ross uh with with the game offense and defense uh who impressed you uh, it's it's kind of hard because nothing really sticks out too much other than, of course, the Humphrey and Dan Arnold touchdowns. Um, but other than that, it was just kind of a feeler game, trying to figure everything out. Who impressed you and, and who made the list of uh, this guy? I mean, you, you had a chance. You had a chance to impress me. You had a chance to prove it, and, 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 and you kind of fell flat on it. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. who, who's fallen into those categories for you after watching this game against Minnesota? Which, by the way, the Saints lost 35 to uh 24 but again it's it's all about the contents of the game yeah the yeah score. right <laughs> so for me starting over on the offensive side some of the guys that impressed me uh that we haven't talked about already um i will i will i well i guess we have to actually talked about this person already but Cyril grayson is somebody that has impressed me a lot all throughout camp and then to see him come out and make such a pretty catch on that back shoulder mm -hmm. throw by Teddy Bridgewater, which also was just an outstanding throw. Yeah. Um, so Cyril Grayson, somebody that really stood out to me, but I, I gotta go to Teddy Bridgewater for a second because man, he gave you everything you needed to be excited mm. about his time in New Orleans. You know, you already talked about through his stats there, 14 uh, completions out of th out of 19 passes, that includes three drops, and so he had a completion percentage, including those drops, of 73.7%, which sounds very Drew Breesy. I'm not yes. comparing him to Drew Brees, but just in terms of the efficiency you saw that from that offense even without drew Brees. the other thing that really just impressed from him when you look away from the stats and you just talk kind of eye test that two minute drill at the end of 
the first half was a thing of beauty. He almost threw an interception there too uh, when, when he was targeting Austin Carr. But still, even then, the ball placement was really good. And it was just a great play by the defensive back in that instance. And ball placement was a really big positive for him altogether. You already, you know, we've already talked about the back shoulder fade to, or not fade, but the back shoulder throw to Cyril Grayson. The, the, the touchdown pass to Dan Arnold was beautifully placed. He also had one in that opening drive on a third down that he targeted Michael Thomas in the end zone. Great ball placement, but Trey Wayne just made a great play on the ball. And so sometimes that's just what it is. But the only, my only big complaint when it comes to Teddy Bridge, uh, yeah, to Teddy Bridgewater is that there were times where he held the ball a little too long that resulted in those sacks and a couple of times resulted in some plays that could have been bigger had the ball come out a little bit earlier to the check down receiver. Uh, but, you know, that's just a little bit of the last time this guy played was in week 17 of last year. And the last time he played before that was years before and so or in the preseason before that and so just readjusting to the this game speed in the nfl i think was a big part of what teddy bridgewater might have struggled with a little bit but that's a very minor struggle and something he figured out very quickly when you saw him get into that two-minute drill which was very impressive absolutely so I definitely point him out as somebody that was a winner in my book. Taysom Hill, I just want to, you know, uh, he, he he tasemed, right? Taysom Hill was Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, he led the team in rushing yards. The dude's gotten bigger, so he's still not afraid of contact. He did run out of bounds once, and he did slide once, which kind of shocked me. Yeah. But there was also another time where he barreled over somebody, as you would expect Taysom Hill to do. Um, and so he's not afraid of that. He's still not afraid of content. That contact. That's not changing. But even his work as a quarterback, I mean, yes, he had has the interception on there, but not to call out Dan Arnold again, but that interception was not Taysom Hill's fault. That yeah. was a great, yeah, a very well-placed pass to uh, to Dan Arnold that just came right off his hands and into the hands of the linebacker that ended up going back for a touchdown and a pick six. So that was really more on Dan Arnold. I would call that more of an interception cause than an interception thrown, if that makes sense. And I wouldn't really count that against Taysom Hill at all and in the yeah. same vein you can make the case that you know Lil Jordan Humphrey made T- Taysom mm-hmm. Hill's touchdown mm-hmm. you know what I mean so you can make that argument both ways but it Taysom- sounds like it, sorry it sounds like most no, of the interceptions in training camp too are most a majority of the time not the quarterback's fault it seems like a lot of these receivers and tight ends are are dropping balls here and there even in practice and whatnot so yeah I, I, I agree with you I definitely think that was on Dan Arnold more than anything and uh, somebody uh receiver said what is it like it's like fifty percent of interceptions are are the receiver's fault. Usually, not the quarterback. It might even be higher percentage than that. And we, yeah. we, we see that, especially with you know backup quarterbacks sometimes out there. You know, guys got to help them out. So no, I I agree with you. It's been yeah, and you, and you see it with the starters too. I mean, Drew Brees yeah. in in the yeah. first joint practice with the Saints yep. and Chargers, one pass went off of Emmanuel Butler's hands and yep. right into the hands of a defender. And sometimes that's sometimes it bees like that, and it's just that yeah. simple, you know. Uh, I mean, you can even look at the takeaway that the Saints had. The Saints didn't really do anything. It's just you know uh, who was it? Amir Abdullah was just switching hands and just dropped the ball. And so right. a lot of it is just adjusting to game speed and figuring out what that new rhythm is. Uh, you know, outside of the weeks of practice and OTAs that you've had before that to where you've been playing against friendly faces, quote unquote. Uh, somebody else that really stood out to me and passed the eye test. We talked about him a little bit, Dwayne Washington. Um, I really, I agree with you. I think Dwayne Washington right now is the favorite for that running back three spot. But Divine Azigbo did the same thing. He really passed that eye test as well. You saw him fighting for extra yards and yeah, making good. the first tackler miss. Yeah, he looked really great. How did great. he not he was- get drafted? 
I, that I I don't know, man. Like there were a lot of people that had him mocked in the fourth, fifth yeah. round, and yeah. somehow or another, he just ended up falling out. I think it just goes to show you the the depreciation of the running back role. Oh, for sure, for you sure. You know, and people not wanting to spend draft capital yeah. on that position. You know, right. Uh, and I don't think it's being helped right now with Ezekiel Elliott and Mel- Melvin Gordon holding mm-hmm. out. That's not doing any. That's not doing any future running backs any favors in terms of getting that first round draft pick money. And, and Todd Gurley's knee uh, arthritis right. situation. Yeah absolutely wild. which is just crazy that's just nuts yep um that's just like a freak thing but mm-hmm. but yeah so i mean divine Zigbo, i think he only had nine he only saw nine snaps in this game if i remember correctly so he definitely earned some more against the chargers and so i'm looking forward to seeing some more of him in the second half of that chargers game jaquiz rogers was actually the quarter i'm sorry the running back that took the most snaps in this game um and he looked like you said like you mentioned he looked good he looked okay i mean he had he was the same thing as latavius murray just in terms of seeing how he operated on the ground and in the uh in in the passing game you know making some some catches out the backfield there he had three receptions so that's those are kind of my guys over on the offensive side that impressed me the ones that didn't stand out a ton dan arnold but we can glaze over that we've 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 talked about it already um traquan smith is somebody that i feel like could have done better uh he just had he you know he had that drop that was just yeah. kind of pretty egregious and then outside of that he had two catches for 16 yards despite getting a, a healthy amount of snaps so it was a little discouraging to see that but he looked he's looking really good in the joint practices so far with the chargers so maybe sunday will be his day we'll see what happens there and he's really the only one those are really the only ones that didn't stand out to me that I would be concerned or that I'm really saying that I want to see more from in the Chargers game. There are a couple of other guys like AJ Derby was okay, but he's somebody that I'm really interested in seeing because Alizé Mack is still injured. He's mm-hmm. probably not playing on Sunday. AJ Derby's got a really interesting background. You know, he's got that one year as a tight end in Arkansas in 2014 right. before he was drafted. Three different colleges. Yeah, yeah, like he spent a lot of time at a lot of different places, played quarterback for the most part, but also mm-hmm. played a couple of other positions in high school. And so he's somebody that's really interesting to see. And he's six foot five, two forty, and he ran, you know, a four six four seven. So he's around your usual tight end uh, speed, but he hasn't really been utilized in the system that he's played with in the NFL and any of the systems that he played with in the NFL as a pass catcher. His big knock coming out of college was that he's somebody that can create you some mismatches, but he's not a good inline blocker, but he's been a fantastic inline blocker in the NFL. And that's the way that people have been utilizing him. It's like they got pleasantly surprised with him on that aspect of his game and then pigeonholed him there. But now he's got an opportunity to play that other style, you know, that six foot five tight end pass catcher style of Jared Cook. And even times we've seen Josh Hill in that role. And, you know, I mean, look, the last of the Saints brought in somebody that only had one year of collegiate uh, experience as a tight end was Jimmy Graham when they drafted mm-hmm. him back in 2000 and what 2010 2011 I can't remember what I year they drafted 10 yes yeah. 10, yeah um and so you know I'm not saying that AJ Derby's going to turn into Jimmy Graham but I'm just saying that you know one of the things that Herbie and I talked about was when you have guys like this because he's really high on AJ Derby when you have guys like this that have the talent the next part of the equation is opportunity so maybe this is the opportunity for him absolutely and I I, I would love to see that and again I was surprised that he was uh, balling out so much in the game because he kind of seemed like an afterthought, especially mm-hmm. when we're like, oh, we got a lockdown. Jared Cook, Josh Hill, Elysia Mack. Yeah, that's it right. for the tight end. And then A.J. Derby comes along. And uh, uh, things could get really, really interesting. Yeah, he has bounced around um, the, the league and multiple colleges as well, so he knows what it's like to be fighting for a spot. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, but, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it in a little bit. If um, I'm not mistaken, he he's he, he does not appear on the current um, Saints 
Um, maybe it's on the special team side. No. Oh, the the roster. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He's still there. He's number eighty-one right now. Oh, I see him now. Okay. okay yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's cool, buried cool, cool. down there because they've also got Garrett Griffin still on the roster, and there then uh, when when he played in the game, he was also not behind, but he was sharing snaps with Jake Powell, who's since been released. And so, so he was really right. buried in a really busy tight end position there. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um. Okay. Yeah. 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 I I definitely I just missed him earlier so that's good that's good um but yeah no i I, i'm in agreement with you um uh, especially on the offensive side it's just i i I definitely want to see more out of all of these guys especially rogers even though he did get the most snaps i don't know i just i miss having such a short shifty guy there in the backfield a la Darren sproles is very nice to see uh, and that just might be my bias coming out of it. But I, I definitely want to see what he can do. Um, but, again, he did get the most snaps. So uh, I think Ozigbo earned a little bit more time than that. And I would be very happy if he ends up winning the spot. Um, it, it just third down running back just does not play as often as, as you think. But the Saints could definitely make it a part of it now that it's Kamara and Murray, who you, you're not 100% sure how Murray is fully going to work here. And injuries always happen as well, so it's always nice to have an insurance plan. Suspensions That's happen as well. Thing. We saw that with Mark Ingram as well mm-hmm. last year, and then people have to really step up. So um, anything can happen. So it is more important uh, on the inside than it looks on the outside. Um, mm-hmm. So I think all those guys really need to get snaps. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, um, I if you had to say which core impressed you the most, least would probably be defensive line would you say would you say the linebacking core impressed you the most i probably go with line it's, it, it's tough to say secondary I, I wasn't i wasn't fully impressed with with a whole lot of what they did it was kind of quiet and they also kind of let uh, a mannion do his work there um mm-hmm. i i kind of like what the linebackers did um but it, it, it's also just such a, a young group out there uh, it, it could have just been kind of almost beginners like what, what would you think? Oh, and of course led by craig robertson the veteran demario right. davis was out there a little bit too um so you had some talented guys there that might be but yeah defensively who, who best core to you who played yeah to me it's definitely i i agree with you 100 that yeah. to me the the most positive look from the defensive side in terms of team or a unit would be the linebacking unit for sure um you know the defensive line really struggled especially in the run game gave up that big 64 yard run to mike boone had amir abdullah looking like a first round pick for a little bit mm-hmm. but you know i mean the, the guys that you saw that got wiped out of plays like that or guys that you're not going to see in your starting lineup so no need to really panic there but a lot of reason to be concerned about depth and to be kind of curious about depth going into this next game this is also the first time that this unit played against unfamiliar competition right they've Mm -hmm. been playing against people the same people every single day except for changing teams you know in terms of first team second team third team within their practice rotation to where they're like okay great well i want to match up with this person this move works or this move works or this combination works or yada yada and so this was the first time really getting punched in the grill by somebody that you haven't looked at over the last six or seven weeks but that linebacking core really stood out the secondary struggled a little bit even the first team secondary emmanuel i'm sorry emmanuel eli (laughs) eli apple got lost and the lights it looked like at one point but also it was still in great position uh, to make that play like week one that's a pass breakup week four that's an interception you know what I mean and Adam Adam Thielen just made an outstanding catch to get the ball down to the one yard line there and so you can't really be too upset with that Uh, and some of it is just you know I kind of wish that the Saints would play or do a practice 
in the Superdome under the lights yeah. at some point before going into their first preseason game. But that's why we have the preseason, so that the first time that they're playing in that environment is not week one. So that Very is important. True. And one of the reasons why preseason continues to be important. And so right. the the linebackers, though, I really liked. Uh, Caden Ellis looked great. He got a little bit, looked like he got, was able to get in a little bit earlier than expected. Alex Anzalone ended up leaving uh, the game. And then, you know, it kind of looked like it was just part of the rotation. But come to find out, he's injured and he's been out for a little while. He was one of the only players to not return since that game coming into those joint practices against mm-hmm. the Chargers. So it'll be interesting to see. I know Brian Bianami's floating around the idea that he's he potentially could be out for two to three weeks, which would still put him back before the season began. But some of these linebackers are going to get an opportunity to take advantage of some first and second team snaps that they weren't getting before. And so far, that guy is Caden Ellis. Caden Ellis has moved into the first team in terms of reps in practice. He's also playing with the second team, so he's just getting additional snaps, which is great. Um, He's just one of those guys that can get all over the field. He had a great pass breakup on uh, Irv Smith Jr. diving down to make that stop. That was a great play to see from him. And he also played 77% of all of the special team snaps. So for a guy that was playing in his first NFL action goes to show you that his stamina will not be in question because he played the most special team snaps out of anybody and then was still able to get out there and make some plays on the defensive side. He had three tackles as well. And some of those came on special teams, but he was really great and a lot of fun to watch. You mentioned uh, CJ Garter Johnson. He was out there. He made a great play on a two point conversion attempt by the Vikings to help get that stop around the edge. So you got to see him put his speed on display. Um, so, you know, the, so those guys, in, in addition to Trey Hendrickson and Mario Edwards, who I talked about, but definitely as a unit, that linebacking core was probably my favorite to watch uh, in terms of the positive nature of what they brought to the game. Absolutely. And the linebacker core was the most improved defensive unit last season, and they were the mm-hmm. pinnacle of the success there with Demario Davis, Alex Anzalone, AJ Klein balling out. Um, and also another guy in that secondary. Uh, getting a little bit of his first action, Saquon Hampton, who's also been looking really, really good in in, in training camp. I'm excited to see mm-hmm. him get more snaps. But yeah, CGJ, he is just so aggressive and athletic. Uh, he, he he's perfect for the Saints defense. I'm very glad he fell so far all the way down. To, yeah, to yeah. The fourth round. I really thought he was going to be a first or second round guy. Um, but if if you had to, uh, you, you don't necessarily have to give just one. If you have a couple guys in mind, go ahead. But uh, who? Out of all these young guys trying to make this roster, just based off of the off of that game, who heightened mm-hmm. their chances the most of making the roster? Who dampened their chances the worst? Um, I would probably say that some of the guys that sort of raise the bar for themselves a little bit or raise their chances would probably be guys like Cyril Grayson. Uh, Deontay Harris made the number 11 look really good yeah. for the first time in a while mm-hmm. in New Orleans, which mm-hmm. was great. Um, so some of those guys in terms of that wide receiver competition, which has only gotten more and more wide open uh, over time, you know, I don't really know that I can even call Traquan Smith a lock anymore like I used to. Um, I'm not saying that he's in danger, but I'm just saying that it's pretty wide open. I mean, this was around the time last year to where Sean Payton was talking about how the wide receiver depth chart was written in chalk. And I think you can kind of go back to that right now. Uh, for this, with the exception of Ted Ginn Jr., Michael Thomas, of course. And the Saints and so, aren't afraid to cut a third-round pick. They've shown it in the past. They're not afraid to cut a second-round pick a couple years after he's been right. drafted. I mean, they, if it doesn't work with them, it doesn't work for them. They're they're, they're more than happy to move on and, and, and pick something. They Mickey Loomis has, has showed us that the, 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 if, if it might appear that he's losing draft capital in some way, shape, or form, he does not care. He wants the right pieces for this team. So, yeah, you're right. I, I, I don't think his, his spot is 
nearly as safe as we all thought it was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd throw Caden Ellis back in there, back into this conversation as well. And I think it's really going to kind of come down to what he does with the additional playing time he's probably going to see with the first team on Sunday. But just with this game in terms of what we saw from him as a special teamer, which is a huge way to make this roster, he's somebody that I'm keeping an eye on. I'll also throw Darnell Sankey in there. Darnell Sankey has been a great special teams player. Deuce McAllister saw him and mentioned to some members of the media that he's going to take somebody's roster spot. Mm. He's looking so good. Like, you know, and that's, that's not a guarantee. He's just, he's messing around, but he's somebody to definitely keep an eye out on as well. Um, Gino Grissom, I think helped himself a little bit. He kind of got bounced on that Mike Boone run though. So I would kind of be a little bit tempered in terms of my expectations with him, but he looked pretty good and he's somebody that's looked good throughout uh, throughout the offseason all together as well. So I definitely put those guys in there. Oh, somebody else that helped themselves, even though if you look at the stat sheet, you won't see it. Um, uh, uh, Kayvon Webster. Uh, K- the cornerback, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. is somebody that has played that dime cornerback role for much of his career because he played uh, four years with – he's played four years in that role with the Denver Broncos, mm-hmm. also spent some time with the Rams and the Houston Texans as well. Uh, but – he actually locked down. He played really, really well in that preseason game. He got flagged for pass interference. That was the first time that we got to see a challenge for pass interference That's in the right. Superdome. That's it ended right. up not getting turned over because I, I, I honestly think when it comes to that rule, you're going to see a lot more calls that weren't made get reversed versus calls that were made get reversed, right. if that makes sense, right, just because right, the criteria right. is so specific. Yeah. But as you look back at that, you can grade Kayvon Webster a positive yeah. on that grade within your own, within your within the Saints' house. You That's know what a I mean? 50-50 flag. It, half th- it depends on who's roughing that game if they're going to throw that flag to me. I mean, 100%. A little, a little bit of contact, but I mean, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was decent coverage. So yeah, that's yeah. a 50-50 flag. Yeah, that's a great that's a great way to put it, right? It just depends on who shows up to work that day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he's somebody that I think helped his case too in a in a in a cornerback battle that is going a little bit under the radar, but is also very important. I mean, some of the guys that were on the roster last year don't necessarily have a lock this year. I mean, when you Ken Crawley specifically comes to mind, yeah. and they're not specifically locked in. Um, and then you, the last guy that I'll say that helped his case, uh, I would say Porter Augustin. Uh, Porter yes. Augustin is somebody that continues to look good. Um, Herbie Teope spoke really highly of him on uh, our interview on Locked on Saints a couple days ago. He said, don't worry about the shorts that he wears. Just pay attention to the fact that he's playing well. Uh, He's got them really high shorts that people like to comment on. But he's somebody that plays really well. And they've officially moved him now from linebacker to defensive end. And so that's a good spot for him to be. That's where he excelled as that 3-4 outside linebacker at USC. So this feels a little bit more natural natural to his position. No, absolutely. Uh, some of the guys that I think hurt themselves, I'll I'll quickly throw Dan Arnold out again, but then quickly move on as well. <laughs> um, uh, I think you can also throw into that list not really a lot of people from it's the offense. The offense, the offense was really good. Yeah, it, I mean, there's not much to complain about, honestly. Like, the, yeah. you, can't, you can't really single out a guy who did terrible. I mean, offensive line wasn't awful. I mean, you can't really single out a guy who was really bad. The spread the ball out it wasn't like you know there were a whole lot of drop passes Traquan Smith kind of made up for his it's hard it's, it was hard for me to pick so yeah yeah I would say that the unit the unit of the offensive line altogether helped themselves mm-hmm. because they played really well and I know that there's two sacks allowed but again it was because Teddy Bridgewater was holding the ball a little right. bit too long on those two occasions and we saw him do that several times throughout but when it comes to the um when it comes to 
the way that they played throughout the depth of the game, they were great. And so the offensive line depth is looking really good. Somebody on the defensive side that I think might have hurt themselves a little bit actually is Saquon Hampton. And I'm not saying that to refute you or anything like that. He's looked fantastic in camp. But because he looked so good in camp when he came out in the preseason game and didn't make any type of a splash play just walking away with a tackle, that might have hurt his case a little bit. Yeah, you, you know gotta, what I mean. You got you got you got to make a prove it play in the actual game time for sure. Yeah, and, exactly. And especially exactly. once you're first, you don't want to look like a deer in the headlights, and it's almost what he kind of, especially playing safety. That's a that's that's a position where you're getting a lot of responsibilities, and you got to be head on a swivel at all times. So you, yeah, I think he was definitely overwhelmed in that moment for sure. Yeah, and we saw that. I mean, we've seen that. You know, we we kind of see the reverse of this happening over on the wide receiver side. Lil Jordan Humphrey, yeah, not great at all throughout training camp, but then came out on the preseason and had a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. And so it's just up to you to kind of decide, and up to the the coaching staff to decide. How do you feel about that? Do you want the guy that excels in practice but had a little bit of trouble in game time, or do you want the guy that kind of sucked throughout practice, if I'm being honest about Lil Jordan Humphrey, but then had a fantastic game under the lights? So which do you value more, and which can you work with and continue to progress more, right? Mm-hmm. Is 60, is is and not even 60 minutes in, in this turn because we're talking about preseason, but, you know, is 15 reps of positive play better than you know, several hundred reps of negative play in practice or vice versa. 100%. You know what I mean? Right. So it just kind of depends on how you how you rate there. Now, this person, I'll, I'll throw one more person out here, too. It's not somebody that I think is in trouble for a roster spot or anything like that. It's just somebody else that I feel like I want to see more of. Uh, coming up against the Chargers, and he's at a little bit more of an advantage going up against the Chargers than he was going up against the Vikings, and it's Marcus Davenport. Yeah. Now, a lot of people are doom and gloom about Marcus Davenport. I'm not there yet. It, it was it was a preseason game. Chill out. Like people talking about trading Marcus Davenport for Jadavian Clowney. I like first of all, it. never never in a thousand years is anybody going to take that trade. Do like you know neither sides swap? are. Do you know that money What that would do? Right. Even just for this year, what that would do to our <laughs> cap? Like, come on now. Right. That alone it's, should be a red flag. Yeah. And so, you know, when you look at what he did against the Vikings, he didn't really stand out a ton at all. He really didn't stand out at all, actually. And I think that's that's the big thing to where he didn't help himself. Uh, And he honestly kind of hurt himself because of that, because he also has had he's one of those other guys that's had a good camp. But then under the lights, it didn't work out. But however, the my my big sort of let's not push the panic button statement on this is. Just like what I was talking about earlier, this was the first time that these guys on the defensive line were swinging at people that they haven't been swinging at for seven weeks. And so the reason why I mentioned that he's got an advantage on Sunday's game against the Chargers is that he's got two joint practices to learn what works and what doesn't work. And he kind of gets to take that in to that game against unfamiliar opponents. It'll be a little bit more familiar than the severe unfamiliarity that came with taking on the Vikings. Exactly. And so I think that that's going to be a big thing. It's going to allow him to sort of have a leg up that he's going to need to perform off of than against the Chargers than what he had available to him against the Vikings. Joint practices can be super clutch. They can mm-hmm. be, that, 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 that's, that's amazing why the NFL does them so often. Uh, yeah, I think if I had to pick Heighten the most based off of how poor he or i shouldn't say poor but just how pedestrian he's been during training camp i gotta say little jordan humphrey i think that he mm-hmm. boasted that at, i mean he, you just make a play you break a tackle and you make a touchdown coaches are gonna love you for that and i, I think that he definitely heightened his chances there ellis as and well. and i think and i think too he did something that a lot of saints fans didn't think he could do just in terms of his yards after catch ability because right. people are so hung up on that four seven four eight yeah 40 yard dash that they think that he doesn't have that they kind of shiftiness zone yeah they, they, they right. just uh you know uh, get up there and catch the ball type guy, but he can, right. 
Even even if your forty is not not you know the fastest, that, that doesn't mean you can't get a move on when when you get the ball. We see we see tight end, big boy tight ends do it all the time. Little Jordan Humphrey, yep. six foot four, he's essentially like a like a tight end out there, and he can come out of the slot too. That's a that's a pretty big advantage, especially mm-hmm. I mean again in the red zone where he has the ability to to thrive possibly, but just just overall that's that can be a mismatch. Um, and then Ellis, of course, um, and honestly, if I had, yeah, it was hard for me to pick somebody who dampened. Uh, maybe Will Clapp. He's just kind of on the outside looking in. Didn't really do anything impressive. I think that his his days with the Saints are kind of numbered. Um, especially when you look at the most recent depth chart. He's just kind of you know back burner type guy. They're really relying a lot on, uh, of course, Nick Easton, who they just signed. Um, but also Michael Ola for the for the tackle position. Um, and then Cameron Tom is essentially the backup in in every single uh, uh, almost every single. Um, inside uh offensive line position uh and then and then marshall newhouse is is making uh waves as well as Derek kelly and ryan gray so well clap could be but uh, honestly he didn't really do anything to, to dampen his game or anything so mm-hmm. it's gonna be really interesting um to see what ends up ca- happening with that offensive unit because we're gonna need good backups because armstead Ramcheck, even warford have dealt with some injuries recently andres pete of course played it with a broken hand and we have a brand new face there at center, whether it be Easton or McCoy. So offensive line is going to need to be pretty solid because it's going to be it's going to be a long season, just like it was last year. We're going to need all the help we can get. Um, but speaking of this, uh, oh, and also going off of your comments about cornerbacks, I'm I'm actually glad you brought them up because, um, of course, with uh, Eli Apple turning into you know the successful trade that he was for the Saints, Marshawn Lattimore being great. Um, the Saints are, are are really enjoying what they like in that cornerback, and they teams have been looking into the Saints' secondary, and guys of interest include Ken Crawley, uh, they include P.J. Williams, and they also include Justin Hardy, who has been on, on the team for a while, been an absolute special team stud. Um, if the Saints end up having some you know excess cornerbacks there, they could deal somebody like Crawley or Hardy for a draft pick, and I think that's very interesting. Uh, and you mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, Kayvon Webster playing well. That could definitely earn him a spot on the team. And essentially, I mean, P.J. Williams has been running with the ones a lot, though. I don't think P.J. Williams is going anywhere. And, then, of course, you have Patrick Robinson there as well for, for playing mm-hmm. that slot cornerback, uh, you know, nickel-type role. Uh, and you've got C.J. Garner-Johnson and that then can you clean got up CJ after J. them, too. Exactly, yeah. And and, and he's interesting, too, because the Saints could use him anywhere. So they could, you know, do the taste mill thing where they list him mm-hmm. at a safety spot, but they're going to be moving him at the cornerback so that they can, you know, have a little bit more cornerback help on the outside, so to speak. And they could – Kayvon Webster, I think, also has the length to compete on the outside, too. Um, mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the cornerbacks. But I'm glad you brought that up because – Going from a team with one of the worst secondaries in the history of the NFL to a team where teams may trade draft picks for our second, third string cornerbacks, it's mm-hmm. it's a pretty crazy leap in the in the past few years. So buy yeah, Brandon 2000. Browner, yeah, hello, exactly, Marshawn exactly. Lattimore. <laughs> oh man, goodbye. Even though we kind of loved you, Delvin, bro. Hello, Eli Apple. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Hello, CGJ. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting, and I, I'm glad you ended up bringing that up. But uh, let's go into the game that's going to be happening on Sunday. Of course, the Saints will be going up against the Los Angeles Chargers, who are also 0-1. They lost 17-13 to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, that was Kyler Murray's first action there. 
um, in the NFL, the number one overall pick. Um, I'm just going to go over the Saints depth chart real quick. The starters are essentially the same. And like we mentioned, Nick Easton and Eric McCoy are the 1A, 1B starter there at the center spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, backup quarterback is still going to be Teddy Bridgewater with Taysom Hill right behind. Murray is um, right now the backup running back with Dwayne Washington, Jaquiz Rogers tied for third. And then Azigbo and Kerwin Williams, who we have yet to see actually play for the Saints, mm-hmm. uh, there as well, uh, essentially in, in, in the fourth spot there with Ozigbo. Then you got Traquan Smith and Keith Kirkwood as the uh, backup wide receivers with Austin Carr and Simi Cobbs Jr. behind them as well. And then you have Cyril Grayson Jr. and Travin Durrell. And then Deontay Harris, Lowe Jordan Humphrey, and Emmanuel Butler, who has been practicing with the ones a lot. We'll see more action from him when he, hopefully, looks like he's healthy going to be playing against mm-hmm. the Chargers. Um, and like I mentioned, Cameron Tom and Michael Ola are the backup linemen. Um, same starting lineman five other than the center spot as last season. Um, fullback is Zach Line. Um, let's see. Nothing else really interesting on the offensive side. Of course, I mentioned Derek Kelly and Ryan Gray, Marcus Henry, mm-hmm. um, and Marshall Newhouse there. Um, you also have Ethan Green, Greenage and uh, Chris Clark there at the tackle. They're going to be competing for some spots. On the defensive side of the ball, the starters are going to be Davenport, Brown, Rankins when he's healthy, but, of course, Onimata will be filling that spot, and Cameron Jordan as the front four there on the, that defensive line. Demario Davis, Alexander Zaloni, AJ Klein, that has not changed right behind them is Craig Robertson, Caden Ellis, and then Vince Beagle. So, so that's awesome that he's he's you know made his way up. And then you got Darnell Sankey there in the middle, Colton Jumper, and Porter Gustin is actually still a linebacker. He's listed as a Sam linebacker here on this depth chart. Actually tweeted mm-hmm. by a um, good friend Herbie um, yep. earlier today, or no, this was a couple of days ago. Um, so obviously, I mean this this isn't completely updated. So Porter Gustin is officially um, a defensive end now, but. Uh, the versatility is still there. Of course, the starting um, for secondary is the same as last year with P.J. Williams, Patrick Robinson, Chris Banjo, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson there um, as the backup secondary guys. Then you also have Ken Crawley, Marcus Sherrills, who didn't didn't return any balls, but that's what he was kind of signed for for the Saints. Mm-hmm. So that, that shows the confidence in Deontay Harris showing. Uh, but Saquon Hampton, J.T. Gray... Ken, and I thought JT Gray also had a good game. I think he he increased his chances oh, yeah. of, of making the making the roster. I, I'd be surprised if he didn't. Um, Marcus Sherrill's, of course, out there with Kayvon Webster, Terrell Williams Jr., TJ Green, Justin Hardy, um, and then also Josh Martin is out there as uh, outside linebacker for the Saints as well down. And also recently signed uh, uh, Ziggy Hood there with Sylvester Williams and uh, Genio Grissom there on the defensive line with Trey Hendrickson. Um, and Wes Horton as well as, as the left defensive end. So super, super interesting um, roster, new, lot, a lot of new names in the backups uh, that we've been seeing this offseason. But for the most part, the starters have been remaining the same. Uh, but based off of uh, that depth chart, of course, starters, eh, second preseason game, usually aren't playing a whole lot either way. I'd be surprised to see Drew Brees out there. He, he usually doesn't play at all um but we could see more michael thomas more alvin Kamara. but more importantly who are you going to be watching for the most after gathering what you saw in minnesota after these joint practices um i, I can tell you what i'm, I'm stealing your first guy because i mean i already mentioned <laughs> it's emmanuel butler of course we're gonna yep. be looking for when he plays uh a lot of people a lot of a lot of fanatics there for the saints are comparing him already to marcus colston the way he can go up for a ball make catches 
Um, that's the kind of vibe he gives off. So I'm super excited to see what he can do in this offense. Um, but yeah, who, who are some other guys there to watch for the saints coming up against these chargers after we've gathered up all this information? Um, I think for me outside of, of course, Emmanuel Butler, um, I think some of the names that I'm really looking forward to seeing against the chargers are on the perimeter on both sides. And so what I mean by that is you've got you guys on the offensive side, like the wide receivers that I want to continue to see more of because they're going to be matched up against a pretty deep secondary yes. against the, the Los Angeles Chargers. So that's going to be a lot of fun to see. So I know that's a little bit of a cheap answer because I'm just giving a unit there, but I'll get more specific here in a moment. Um, so for that, the other part of it is I want to see that first team defense look a little bit better than it did uh, in terms of that secondary in particular against these guys that include you know, a unit that includes wide receivers like Keenan Allen and uh, and, and Mike Williams. Williams, you know what I mean? And, and they're pretty deep there, too. Um, you know, they got some guys that are serviceable toward that three, four, five spot that are also going to be fighting for. They're another team that's got a really interesting wide receiver battle going on in terms of their depth. So that's going to match up really well with what you're going to see from guys that are deeper in the secondary uh, team lineup like Saquon Hampton and CJ Garner Johnson and so on and so forth. So some of those guys are going to be a lot of fun to watch and that match of those matchups in particular are going to be great to watch. Um, Eric McCoy is somebody I'm really looking forward to seeing more of. Uh, Brian Baldinger did an outstanding Baldy breakdown, of course, as he usually does. You know, all 22 is so hard to come by for the preseason, so sometimes we only get little glimpses of it. And Baldy's was really good looking at what it was that Eric McCoy brought just as somebody with a lot more power and a lot more push than people expected him to have at the NFL level. And so that was something that was really encouraging to see. And now he's going to go up against fellow rookie Notre Dame defensive tackle Jerry Tillery. And he's somebody that I really, really liked. And that is a defensive line that could potentially, whether it be during practice or during the preseason game for a series, feature the bookends of Melvin Ingram and Nick Bosa. And so you've got a big defensive line battle there that's going to be really something that's, you know, Eric McCoy is not going to immediately match up with any of those edge guys, but they're going to help set the tone for what that defensive line can do during the first series or so if we see them at all on Sunday. But either way, Eric McCoy is going to have a nice test because, again, that's another deep defensive line over there as well. So he's somebody I'm looking forward to seeing. And then over on the defensive side of the ball, we've talked about Marcus Davenport. Looking forward to seeing more of him. Caden Ellis, looking forward to seeing him get some first-team snaps and get some of that full-speed action, depending upon who they have in for their first series over at Los Angeles, because I expect that he's going to be playing in place of Alex Anzalone, who at this point has yet to practice since that that last preseason game. Uh, and then, you know, if Marcus Sherrill gets in there and gets an opportunity to return some kicks or return some punts, mm-hmm. um, that's going to become a very, it's going to get back to being a very interesting receiver or, or sorry, returner battle because that, that essentially affects that returner position is going to affect the structure of the roster because if they keep Marcus Sherrill's, then that's one more defensive back that they would keep. Otherwise, if they keep somebody like Deontay Harris, then that's one more wide receiver that they might keep otherwise. So instead of keeping five, they keep six as a return specialist. Mm. So that that battle is actually really important because that's one spot from somewhere else, you know. Yeah. But you if gotta, they end up, you oh, go ahead. Take away, you got to take away another roster spot for for this right. return. So yeah, it's it's where. Yeah, yeah, and then whichever one doesn't get the spot does that spot end up going to another player somewhere else? And then, then where does that come from? So it, it really just sort of has a ripple effect. 
across. So I'm really interested in seeing that, especially because Marcus Sherrill throughout his career is mainly focused as a punt returner exactly. as opposed to a kick returner. And what we saw these guys really stand out with throughout the that first game of the preseason was kick returning. There was, one of them had, I, I'm so sorry, I cannot remember which one, if it was Deontay Harris or Cyril Grayson. I want to say it was Cyril Grayson, but I'm not entirely sure. Actually had a nice punt return as well, but it ended up getting called back on a penalty. So we didn't get to really see that, right? So that oh, never went down right. on a stat sheet. Yeah. That's right. So that, yeah. that never went down on a stat sheet anywhere. So if that player, I, I hate that I can't remember who it was, but if if the punt return battle becomes a thing, then that's going to have a major effect on what that decision is and how that affects everything throughout. Um, AJ Derby, I'm looking forward to seeing more of. I, I kind of hope that we also get to see the Saints' newest signee, Drew Lewis. He's an undrafted free agent linebacker from Colorado University that's also played safety, that's played a couple of other positions. He played running back as well, so he's really athletic. He's got 4-5 speed, so at the linebacker position, he can get sideline to sideline pretty quickly. And he's a great coverage guy. Uh, he does really, really well in that area of the game. He's somebody that, you know, he's got, he had five sacks in his collegiate career in his three main seasons with Colorado. But if you catch him at the line with a tight end or a tackle, he's not going anywhere. Mm. He gets absolutely stonewalled. <laughs> he, he's mm. not fighting through blocks. But he's got that quickness where he can bend an edge if you send him as a blitzer. So that's important and as an ability to affect the game. But he's also somebody that's going to challenge Josh Martin potentially for some of those special team snaps as well. So yeah. there's a couple of really nice ones that I'm really, really looking forward to seeing uh, on Sunday. There's some good competition out there for them. Uh, you know, this is a great team that's been put together top to bottom over at the, over in Los Angeles with, with the Chargers team. And that's a team that historically keeps a couple of undrafted free agents and makes, makes good on a couple of undrafted free agents. So that's a depth chart that you're going to see all of those guys from one to 90 play really hard because every one of them, much like in New Orleans, has an opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I like that a lot. And speaking for this Chargers team, even though the Saints offense did, did very well against them today, the Chargers first team defense scares me. I mean, you got Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, of course, um, and, and, and the Chargers really like to have them rushing on either end. They also signed Thomas Davis uh, from mm, the mm-hmm. Panthers. So uh, to pair him with Denzel Perryman um, there in, in that linebacking court, they got improved. Um, and then you also have, of course, Derwin James, one of the best mm-hmm. safeties in the game already at a young age. They get arguably the most athletic safety in the draft in Nasir Adderley, Adderley who, who comes out of essentially a D2 school out of, out of Delaware. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think he's going to make a lot of noise, even though he's pretty deep on their depth chart. But they don't have an official depth chart, so I don't know how uh, – this is on their website – um, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of a placeholder, they said, for media as of now, but they don't really have an official, official one for this upcoming Sunday. But, I mean, this is accurate, and Ross is probably going to be able to find one right now before I, I hear a little bit of clicking. <laughs> but uh, they also have Desmond King there that they moved to safety. I really like I really, really like their defense, even though – so the, the Saints offense did well against their first-team defense, but I'm still glad we won't see much of their defense because this is a Super Bowl – you know, um, contender here in, in, right. in the Los Angeles Chargers. They're going to be a deep team. Uh, it, with Melvin Gordon out, uh, Austin, uh, uh, ooh, I almost forgot how to, uh, Austin Eckler. Uh, oh, yeah. almost forgot mm-hmm. how to say his last name. I had to, I had to look at that. I had to double check the spell. Austin Eckler has you balled out for them in the past in, in place of him. Behind him, they don't really have too much going on, so that's going to be interesting to see their depth. Um, but, yeah, for the Saints – they're bringing in as much help as they can to figure out this linebacker depth, it seems to me, because they got the three starters locked down. 
But, you know, they now they have Ellis, and it, like we've already talked about how well he's been doing, that's still a sec, or a seventh-round draft pick as your backup middle linebacker currently. Mm-hmm. You don't see that happen too often, especially in the Saints offense. And then you have, you know, super veteran and Craig Robertson as your backup uh, uh, Will line or uh, Sam linebacker. Mm-hmm. No, sorry, Will, because... Oh, yeah, he's, he's over at the Will linebacker he's, spot. He's backing up Anzalone. So, um that's that, 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 that's super interesting to me. So I, I I don't blame the Saints for bringing in as much help as they can, as you mentioned, with Drew Lewis coming in. So that's also going to be really interesting to watch. Um, I feel like we know just about everything else surrounding the starters um, for every other p- position, um, besides of course that wide receiver. We know Michael Thomas is going to be the starter. Tedgen Jr. Again, is he? We we've seen surprise cuts before in the NFL. Tedgen Jr. would be a pretty big surprise cut, but. Are we? I don't know. Are yeah, that'd be a huge, I mean, huge surprise. I don't. I don't want him cut. But at a guy his age, with the and, and again, I mean, we need as much talent as we can. But with it, also he he did he went on IR last year. And was on there for a while. He's not getting any younger. I'm just throwing out there. If it does happen, that would be a big surprise. But the Saints possibly possibly that's it is something that they could do. I don't think they will. But with with what's going on. We don't know if, if Ted Ginn Jr., if he stays on the team, they want to put him there at the starter. But, I mean, and I love the burners he can put on and, and being able to stretch the field for MT. But um, I, I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to, to de- determine that starting wide, res- wide receiver spot, slot with how much questions are, are just surrounding that entire core. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and, and then overall, offensive line has got to get it together, especially the backups. But um, still overall solid. Uh, I just want to see a little bit more out of them, especially getting that run game going. I think pass protection was okay. Get that run game going a little bit more. I want to see more than just, you know, um, I, I think the longest run in that game was was 10 yards um, yeah. overall. So I, I want to see at least three or four 10-plus yard rushes, you know, in, in the entirety of a game um, when, when we're rushing the ball with that many different guys. Um, so other than that, I think uh, – think we essentially know what's going to happen with the starters and then the depth you hit it on the head with everything else the, the return game is going to be interesting to watch um and then of course the new linebackers uh and then different packages for that defensive line too with we have so many guys that have played for the saints um and also are you know really competing for a spot and, and hendrickson and taylor stallworth new guys like mario edwards um being in there uh with malcolm brown as well so uh just very interesting uh, up front there for the defensive line with Sheldon Rankins being out. We got a toy with a lot of stuff, so I think that's going to be something to watch against. Uh, again, a pretty impressive and, and depth-filled uh, offensive line there for the Chargers. That's that's one of their secrets. They're always able to find some sort of a, uh, a Band-Aid offensive line for Phillip Rivers that will be good <laughs> enough to get them, you know, f- kind of deep into the playoffs, and then uh, who, who, you know, anything can happen after that point. But um, I, I think they have one of the better offensive lines they've had in – in quite some time, um, and and I think that's part of the reason they're going to be Super Bowl contenders for most of this year. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else you want to go over this game? I actually we, we covered a majority of it. Are there any other guys you kind of uh, are looking for? Because again, Emmanuel Butler has been impressing. Simi Cobbs Jr. had had an interesting day in camp. I guess he dropped two different balls during a drill, but he also had a really really nice reception during actual scrimmage. Yeah, including a touchdown, and he also yeah, had a nice yeah, catch yeah, in traffic right. as well. And, and right. I think one of the things that Simi Cobb showed that I'm really interested in seeing if Emmanuel Butler can do, and I, I've talked about this many, many times, but uh, is you know coming back from that adversity. So Simi Cobb started off 
with mm-hmm. without you know having a very good opening to that practice, but then finished in a positive light and then had probably a really good standout day actually. And Emmanuel Butler, on the other hand, had a not so great day. Uh, his first day back within these these joint practices, at least he had a nice catch on one on one one on ones, just getting catch getting you know forcing a catch without separation. He did a really mm-hmm. good job there. But however, you know he had that. That, that drop pass and ended up going for an interception. So can he bounce back from that in a positive light? That's kind of the one thing that I've been waiting to see from him. Not that I've been waiting for him to have a bad day, but just simply if he has one, how, what he does next. Absolutely. That's that's a super good point. Uh, also really interested, obviously, that third down uh, or third string running back spot is going to be mm-hmm. interesting. But Latavius Murray, let's let, let's see really what you want to do with this. Because uh, he's going to get a lot of snap. If, if, if we understand – the offense that Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael love to run, there's going to be a lot of, you know, mixture of Latavius. The backup running back is going to get a lot, of, a lot of looks, especially if they want to use him similar to Alvin Kamara. They're going to be able to give Kamara a lot of rest because this is Kamara's first full season as the workhorse guy. And we mm-hmm. saw, you know, when the first four games he did pretty good, but throughout the rest of the season we could – we. I don't know if you could really tell on tape, but you just kind of tell in the stats and whatnot that he he, he wasn't as um, energy as explosive, I, I guess you could say, throughout the games, and that's understandable for a running back who took as many carries in just his second you know season in the league um, as as Kamara did. So you're going to see Latavius Murray, so he's very important uh, to this offense. So it's going to be interesting to see what they run against uh, again a pretty depthful defense there for the chargers um but yeah other than that i think uh, i think we covered just about everything for the game again it's all about the contents not the final result but we are going to be rooting for the saints to win obviously they did go three and one <laughs> last year in preseason so um uh, which led to a 13 and three nfc championship season for for the team right. but just preseason again the the lions went four and oh in the preseason and then proceeded to go own 16 i think the browns did the same too when they went on 16 they won all four of their preseason games and so preseason does not. It's like the points in whose line is it anyway? It's every. It's just made up. Final score is made up. The points don't matter. You got to actually watch the film and figure out what these guys are doing because that's that's what these coaching staff are doing. That's why I you were alluding to it earlier. Preseason games are super important. That's why I mm-hmm. think leave it at four. These coaching staffs need four games to figure out the rosters. Yeah, cutting down from ninety to fifty three in what two months? Less than two months. You need you need. Yeah. Or I mean overall. Overall, yeah, yeah, including for, OTAs and everything. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, the actual nitty-gritty playing time, it's its essentially two months they get to see. So four, mm-hmm. four preseason games I think is definitely appropriate. But uh, that's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed all of the content. This was a really fun episode. Of course, with Ross Jackson. You follow him on Twitter, at Ross Jackson ASC. Um, go and plug away. Locked on Saints. Ross, anything else you want to get out to the people before we sign off? Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Locked on Saints, about a 25 to 30 minute podcast. Perfect for, you know, you'll you'll listen to it in your car, get you from one place to another every single Monday through Friday. The only Saints daily podcast out there. Keep you up to date with everything that's going on every single day. So make sure you come through. I grind over there. So I always love like getting people out there and getting people listening and everything like that. It's one of my, it's, it's literally one of my favorite things that I get to do. So, uh, so check it out. You can find it on any of your favorite podcast platforms, uh, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Himalaya, whatever it is that you're using. It's there. And then of course, shout out to the big homies over at all saints considered at all saints considered.com at all saints blog on Twitter, as well as the ASC podcast over there as well, which is a little bit more of a long form podcast with a rotating cast of four 
four big nincompoops over here talking mm. about saints man and it just just a lot of fun man i love what we get to do out here and i always love when i get to come and, and, and contribute with you guys and everything so thanks so much for welcoming me on again dayton man i appreciate it so much fun yeah thank you for coming on it's gonna be a lot more episodes in the future uh but yeah thank you guys for listening we will be back next week to recap this game and preview the third preseason game for the new orleans saints um so thanks again for tuning in i'm dayton brown follow me on twitter at dayton underscore brown underscore and follow the podcast page at the wdd podcast but with all that being said we'll talk to you guys very soon and as always who dat